This is the EWN Radio Network. Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur with your host, Steve Kidd, third-generation minister and business coach. Join Steve and his guests to get answers to your questions and help break through to the next level in your business. Hi, this is Steve. Welcome to Episode 1 of Thriving Entrepreneur. I'm so excited to be with you here today. Lots of prayer and planning has gone into creating this show. We're looking forward to answering some of your questions and helping you get to the next level in your business. Today, we're going to be talking specifically about your brand and discovering how to have the most impact that your brand can have. I'm excited to be joined today by my wife's good friend and a superstar, especially in the world of branding, Jenna Sword. Hi, Jenna. Welcome. Hi, Steve. Thanks for having me. <laughs> oh, we're so excited to have you here. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Episode one and step one in every process is discovering who you are and what you are as a company. Um, so jumping right into that, let's discover a little bit about who Jenna is. Uh, tell us a little bit about your branding background and you. Okay. Um, well, I actually, if you want to go way back, <laughs> I um, I started my first business when I was in the third grade, which was crazy that I've been doing entrepreneurship for that long. Um, but I, I started my first licensed business when I was 16, uh, designing T-shirts for my high school. And I eventually ended up getting a degree in multimedia design from the University of Oregon and uh, just really developed a passion for graphic design. And then I um, realized after I graduated with my bachelor's degree that I was really struggling being able to work as a designer because I didn't really know anything about I, didn't, I mean, I had some business experience from running a business before, but I really, you know, didn't have all of the marketing knowledge to really make my graphic design business a super success in the real world. And so I ended up getting an MBA. And once I got the MBA, that's when I kind of combined my love of marketing with design. And I just started this really great graphic design career. And so that's kind of how I got into this whole industry. And then um, I ended up finally starting to teach. I, I moved to Kyo for a year and was teaching speech and debate to like 400 Japanese students. And I was like, oh, wow. wow, you know, I really love design and I really love teaching. How can I kind of merge those loves together? And so that's kind of how everything got started. <laughs> wow, that's really cool. So how long were you in mm -hmm. Japan? So I was in Japan for a year. And I, I took six months off of designing at that point. I had, you know, had a pretty successful freelance graphic design business for a couple of years after college. And I really was, you know, like, I need a break. And so I, I flew to Japan and lived there for a year in a really cool fashion district called Harajuku, which is where they have all these, all the crazy people with the colored hair and the colored contacts and oh, yeah. teaching at this university <laughs> there. And um, I took about six months off of design and uh, then started to miss it a lot and went on Craigslist and got a job. Uh, it just was such a coincidence. It was a tattoo artist, uh, this famous, famous, famous tattoo artist in Japan. Uh, there was these Canadians that were living in Tokyo and trying to start an apparel company and they needed a graphic designer. And so since I was working full-time, I didn't need the money. 
And so I was like, well, I am going to be giving up my weekends and my, you know, I'm going to be working seven days a week. So I really want to get paid well to do this. And um, I walked into that meeting with nothing to lose. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I basically said if they wanted to hire me, I, I was going to charge like three times more than what they wanted to hire for. And I ended up getting hired and, and did graphic design for a famous tattoo artist clothing company while I was there. And that kind of set the um, foundation for the next leg of cool stuff that happened in my career. Yeah, that's really cool. Wow. Thanks. So um, I've been told that uh, after that, or sometime right after that, you worked for Nike in their marketing division. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So after teaching in Tokyo for a year, I came back to Portland, Oregon, where I had been living for like the decade before Tokyo. And I was working with, a couple of clients that I had worked with before I had left, and uh, one of them was the owner of a swimsuit company, and he got hired as a consultant uh, to help with this parks and recreation in a little town called Astoria, Oregon. And I don't know if you're familiar with Astoria, but um, I'm oh, sure yes, you are. Very it's much. Place Astoria where, is very it's popular. Super beautiful little town. Uh, it's the place where the Goonies was filmed, and I think Kindergarten Cops. So they had a couple movies yep. that got filmed there, and uh, and so anyway, they had a pool that was um, you know one of the main parts of their little town, and they had a whole bunch of problems with the pool. Um, it was running at a negative half million dollars a year. Um, it had a, a couple of deaths at the pool from not having proper protocols. And so this pool was going to get shut down, and it was going to devastate the community. And so my client brought me in as the branding expert to help save this pool. And so I got basically hired in a freelance position but by the state to come in and um, rebrand. And we did a rebrand and totally saved the pool and brought them up into the black. So they were totally, you know, functioning and not running in a negative anymore. And we completely kind of changed this whole community around. And it was um, a super, super successful project that ended up, I ended up winning a international design award uh, for branding and for design. And and through that, I actually ended up getting uh, discovered and asked uh, to teach at the University of Oregon. And so somebody had seen me win the award and they came up and they said, hey, you know, would you be interested in teaching from the University of Oregon? And I was like, of course, because Mm -hmm. I was an alma mater of the University of Oregon. And so, I mean, that was my alma mater. So I, I, I happily accepted that and started teaching there and taught there for four years um, online doing uh, branding, entrepreneurship and portfolio design. And then about a couple months after that, I ended up um, getting discovered by Nike, and I went in and I worked as a senior graphic designer for them for a year. So, yeah, <laughs> that's wow. how I got to Nike. Wow. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, quite a traverse of the whole world to bring you back to Portland again. <laughs> I know. Well, I always had planned on coming back. It was mostly like I just needed a break. But it was it was cool that I discovered my love of uh, designing mixed with marketing, mixed with teaching, and I was collecting all this great experience along the way. You know, like saving the pool was such a, a great experience and understanding how to target things effectively and how to rebrand something that has a bad reputation. And then going and working mm-hmm. at Nike and seeing their processes and learning about branding was it was life changing for sure. 
Oh, yeah. So what's, uh, of all those different kind of companies, I mean, a famous artist in Japan, Nike, mm-hmm. a failing mm-hmm. cool, which one of those was your, or what kind of company is your favorite kind of company to work with now? Well, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because I, uh, you know, discovered early on that edgy design was, is my favorite kind of design work. So I've done, you know, really, really, really edgy design work for companies that are a little bit off the status quo of, of, you know, like what's maybe even accepted by society. You know, I've done like design for some pretty crazy companies. And so, um, so that was one of the things I discovered was that I really need to work with companies that want sort of an edge uh, because, you know, just typical sort of corporate branding, it just doesn't really throw me. And so it was great to work for a company like Nike that's really boundary pushing and uh, to work for that tattoo artist company that was really kind of, you know, it was my job to take this guy's uh, handmade drawings, this is going to kind of freak you out probably, but of decapitated heads and put them on $800 sweaters. Wow. <laughs> that was my job. <laughs> yeah. So, so, and then the other thing that was really crazy about that was that particular tattoo artist. Also, like the artwork that he had that we were putting on these sweaters um, also had like, you know, he had used blood as like his paint. It was totally crazy. So that's like, this edgy stuff that is not something that you'd normally see, I think, is the most interesting, for sure. Oh, wow. Well, yeah, that that, mm-hmm. that can be a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> you know, although I wasn't working with uh, chopped off heads, you know, I was in the Christian <laughs> music industry um, back in the days when most people wanted to lynch mob us uh, for uh, being, uh, you know, possibly talking about Jesus in in a rock and roll. So I, I mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. other kind of a format, but I understand that <laughs> being way out on the cutting edge of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. It sounds like you understand like being controversial and maybe a different way. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I've uh, probably been accused of uh, just about all the same things that the person who was drawing the decapitated heads have. So I get that, you know, I, It's the age old, uh, you know, if your hair's too long, you must have sin in your heart thing. But, uh, you know, at 47, I finally decided to cut my hair. So, (laughs) talk about a rebranding. Steve goes from a. from a long hair, you know, to, to short hair over the course of this, just mm-hmm. this last year. So I understand that one too. Well, we're going to take a little break here. We're, uh, we're here with Jenna Sword and uh, we're talking about uh, branding today. Jenna has been literally all over the world, helping people brand mm-hmm. things uh, from uh, famous artists that you would think don't need help with their branding, but she's helped them <laughs> to, uh, to failing companies that uh, last time I was in Astoria, because we used to just live, you know, just across mm-hmm. the river there in Long Beach, uh, mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. the pool's still going strong. You know, I mean, Astoria is mm-hmm. kind of a thriving community still. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that's a good uh, a good mixture there. Um, we're going to come back after the break, and we're going to answer some questions specific to how to have the most impact from your brand. We'll be right back. Would you like to know how to competently answer the question, this is what I am doing to take my business to the next level? 
How about discovering what is unconsciously sabotaging your growth? How would it feel to create a clear plan that describes in detail the steps you need to take as well as help to walk through this plan one step at a time? Would you love to have one simple step you can take immediately to get into action? I would like to invite you to sign up for one of my limited number of discovery session spots that I have available. See how the 8-step program Kathy and I have developed to take your company to the next level can help you find out where your company is stuck and how you can be a thriving entrepreneur. All you have to do to be considered for one of these coveted spots is send me an email to steve at wehelpyouthrive.com. We can begin the process for you to claim one of these limited spots as yours. Just email to steve at wehelpyouthrive.com and put Discover in the title today. I'm looking for a certain kind of woman, and I think you know her. She's an entrepreneur that is highly connected, successful, significant in her own industry, and considered the go-to woman in her community. She's received so much from so many women in business, she's ready to give back to others on their journey, lifting as she climbs. Hi, this is Sandra Yancey, and I'm the founder and CEO of eWomen Network. I'm looking to connect with the woman I've just described who lives in your community so that we might have a conversation about how eWomen Network's proven success system can provide her a platform to elevate her success and ability to support women in business. Our international community of managing directors are influencing the speed of success for women in business around the world. If that sounds like something that you want to be part of or know someone we should talk with, send an email to managingdirector at eWomenNetwork.com. That's managingdirector at eWomenNetwork.com. And let's start the conversation. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. Hi, it's Steve. We're back. We are here having an exciting conversation with Jenna Sword. We're discovering how to have the most impact from your branding. We learned that Jenna has literally been traveling all over the world, helping companies of every size, shape, and sort uh, develop a, a cutting brand for themselves. I think that's really an important thing, Jenna. I think it's important to have a brand that um, you know stands out, that isn't just like everybody else's. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. I think that, uh, you know, when you think about branding, it's it's kind of a, a tricky process because you, you know, you don't have 100% control over your brand. It's really your reputation and it's a promise that you're making to your customers about the kinds of services and goods that you're you're going to provide. And so some people do that successfully and clearly and cohesively, and then other people um, are really fragmented or don't deliver on their promises, and that's where the real branding problems start. Mm, yeah, I can see that. Um, so uh, what is the best example you've seen of somebody who's really, you know, really embodied their brand? Um, you know, there's there's people like Allie Brown, uh, who's a really great women's uh, guru. She's got some great programs. Marie Forleo, who is also an entrepreneur, who's got a great personal brand. Um, and then if you're talking like 
in terms of like product branding, of course, Nike is one of the biggest, you know, and, and most successful ones out there. Uh, but in my program, I cover taking a look at uh, brands like Victoria's Secret and how well they know their ideal clients and how every single, you know, thing that they do is is really strong in communicating to that. And I would also say Betsy Johnson is a designer who's really really successful at at um, creating services and products, or mostly products, but uh, products that are so completely in line with their ideal clients that that it's essentially these people feel like the products and services are being made just for them. And um, and it does, it ostracizes some people, and they're totally fine with that because they're, they know their niche. So, yeah. Well, that's interesting. So they on purpose are actually... Uh, turning people off is that is that a good yes. way of saying that? Yeah, that's a really good uh, way of saying it. So Betsy Johnson, for example, she I feel like her products are made for me. Um, all the dresses fit my type, type of body type. You know, she's really into the you know all the prints and all the things that she does in her designs with skulls and jewels and all that stuff come out. And I just realized that I've been 100% devoted to her brand because everything that comes out artistically is so in line with like my uh, sort of desires when it comes to art and fashion. And when I see women that are in the ads, I feel like they're that they, that person could be me sort of thing. So these, these big companies that sort of learn what people want, what they need, they form, you know, all their products and services around that. And it's okay if they're eliminating some people because they're serving their ideal clients better. Yeah. I know in your class um, you talk about at Nike that you guys actually literally break your customer down to a specific person. You give her a name, Mm -hmm. how old Mm -hmm. is she, all of that. Can you talk a little bit more about how that process works? Yeah, so in Nike, um, that it would get that specific kind of, but um, that process, actually, that ideal client avatar process is something that a lot of gurus do, which um, may or may not be the exact same process that somebody like, you know, or that company like Nike would go through, what is more, um, they look, they do break down things like, they, they put together these things called shadow boxes, where they really think about who the ideal client would be hanging out with, and what would they be seeing on a daily basis, and what would their needs be. So, like, when I worked for Nike Tennis, there were there were, uh, you know, ideal clients who were looking at, like, high schoolers, for example. A high schooler that is obsessed with tennis is going to have very, very, very different needs than the competitive player or the housewife that is going is to go to the club to play tennis. So we would look at, like, okay, if we have a high schooler, um, they're going to be more apt to be wearing T-shirts at school to show their relationship to tennis. They're likely going to be in a outside street court playing tennis with a t-shirt on versus a club that has a clothing requirement or a competitive that has a clothing sort of requirement that you would have to have to play. So, um, so we look at those things and then we look at, you know, what it, what is, what are the things that are going to be on trend for each of those different categories? So, what's going to be on trend for a competitive tennis person is going to be totally different than what's going to be on trend for a high schooler. So that makes yeah. sense. So, mm-hmm. so a lot of research and tapping into their minds is what 
what we have to do. Okay. And, and I ultimately teach my students to do that on a smaller level. Oh, good. Because I was going to ask, mm-hmm. so how does that translate over to a small business, you know, where it's just mm-hmm. yourself working in the company or you've got just a couple of virtual assistants? Uh, is the process the same or is it a little different when you're smaller? Or how does that work? Yeah. Well, I think that uh, what happens is that with big corporations, they are not actually people the way that you and I as a solopreneur or a small business owner would be. So to be able to relate with their ideal clients, they have to personify their corporation. So that means that they have to take this this thing that's not actually a person and give it the characteristics of a person so that the ideal client can feel like they have a relationship with that corporation. So I'm sure you've seen people can be totally fanatical about Nike, but Nike's not like actually a person. So um, if we look at something like Trader Joe's, for example, uh, if we thought of Trader Joe as a real person, we can almost imagine exactly what he would be like. He would wear a Hawaiian shirt. He would be very well-traveled. He would, uh, you know, educate you about interesting cheeses and snacks that you normally wouldn't have at a grocery store and would, you know, be kind of like your friend. And, and you could think of him, if you were an older person, he might be like your your grandson that travels. Or if you're a younger person, he might be, you know, um, if you're a woman, he might be the guy that you would date. And so the people who shop at Trader Joe's are a very specific kind of person, and they would be attracted to the personality of this corporate brand. So then how does that translate over into personal branding when you're like a, a solopreneur or um, an entrepreneur? And how it works basically is that you end up having to personify yourself, which is totally kind of a weird thing to think. Like you're like, I am a person already. Why would I need to personify myself? <laughs> and so I like to use this example as um, as called like the overweight trainer syndrome. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> would want to to pay attention or follow and get in shape with someone who is really unhealthy. That wouldn't make any sense. So, um, or, you know, doesn't, doesn't, isn't providing a good example of the service that they're trying to have. So the idea here is that whatever industry that you're going into, if you're branding yourself as the spokesperson of that industry, that that spokesperson, whether it's you or even somebody else, needs to be showing the ideal client of whatever struggle that they're having with is being on the other side of that. So in my instance, I'm helping entrepreneurs learn how to brand themselves. So it's really, really, really important that I am uh, creating a brand that's 100% me and 100%, uh, you know, super well-designed, you know, very well thought out in in language and, and visuals so that I can show my potential clients of what I'm capable of doing and how that will apply to what I teach them. And so if I had a horrible website and horrible graphics, like nobody would want to pay any attention. <laughs> so, Which is really funny about, when did you say okay. that because, yeah. um, you know, often after, you know, almost 20 years in the Internet industry, often Internet service provider companies are the ones with the worst websites. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, they're usually not the ones that are necessarily doing the designing, you know. So it would be more like if we saw – and it still happens. You still see – amateur graphic designers who who say, I will design your website, and they have a horrible website. Mm-hmm. Or, or, you know, people in the tech company that, that have these sort of bad websites. But 
But even more than that, it's like if you can come up with a story and a character of like the most ideal version of who you are, or if you're personifying your company, um, creating a fictitious character that people can relate with. So when they interact with your business through social media, through, um, you know, just going through the sales process or going through the website and filling out a form, like if that consistency happens with um, a personality, a personality that you actually give advice about, like funny, quirky, sassy or something like that. If every mm-hmm. um, you know image on a website is funny, quirky, sassy, and all the language is funny, quirky, sassy, even if there isn't a, um, a spokesperson, you're going to feel like that 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 company is something that you know and that you can trust and that you can understand what sorts of products and services are going to be provided based off of that consistency. Great. So if mm-hmm. um, if a person was to only do one thing and do it really, really right, is there is there one specific thing that you just have to do with your brand? Um, I, I would say, yeah, there there's quite a few things that need to happen before you can even get into the branding process. You really need to sit down and figure out a couple of, of things. And, and the first thing being, you know, who is it that you really want to serve? You know, what sort of problem are you going to be solving in the world? And, you know, and generally, if, and a lot of times this happens actually when you're doing a personal brand, that your ideal client can also be yourself like five or ten steps ago. So you, we usually get inspired to start businesses based off of our own struggles with something or seeing it um, at a hole in the marketplace that's not being filled or a passion about something that, that you want to work in. And so if you kind of take a look at this whole, you know, what is this problem that you're solving? If it's something super obscure and nobody is in that industry, it could be an indication that either the market's not big enough or that, you know, there could be an opportunity there. So you have to kind of do some research to find out um, if the kind of business that you're going into is going to, is that there's enough of a need for it. So that would be a first step before you spend any money on branding because how bad would that be if you spend all this time branding a business only to find out that nobody needed the you know, needed it. So, so then the second part would be, um, you know, really diving into who that person is that's going to need this product or service and how do you create more products and services that are going to kind of address their need. And so I always like to use this as an example where you can have a graphic designer that graduates from school and they just do graphic design for everybody. They're going to get some business, but they're probably not going to get as much, um, as much business as if they sit down and define where there could be a need in the marketplace. And let's say that us being in Portland, Oregon, that there's a lot of sports bars here and, um, or maybe there's not, but in this case, let's say that there's, (laughs) there's quite a few sports bars. Well, they could, you know, create a list of products and services that would totally be for that, that sports bars needs. So maybe they need help with coming up with, you know, specials that are related to sports and they need graphic design elements that are related to getting people in the door for certain sporting events. And and so a graphic designer that is super passionate about sports, instead of designing for everybody, could come up with a portfolio that's really focused on delivering a package of services and products that would that the sports bar owner would just flip out about. 
and maybe they become known in the industry for that, and it would suddenly become known through all the sports bars owners. Owners don't hire any designer; hire, hire this guy because he's brought in, you know, a hundred thousand dollars into your you know, into my business. So, it's like one of those things mm-hmm. where um, there's a, a phrase like the riches are in the niches, and it's it's like you can either be the jack of all trades. Or you can really find something that you personally are super passionate about that you're helping solve a problem. And it's a win-win situation. Client ends up getting somebody who's totally specialized in what they need. The designer is super happy because they're working within uh, or whoever the entrepreneur is, is working within an industry that they're really passionate about. And that passion pours over into our work. And then what is, the most miraculous part about this entire process is that when somebody, you know, gets that specific of a niche like working with a sports bar, they're opening up the market for all the other designers that are out there to have more opportunity for business because everybody's not trying to be the jack of all trades. Instead, it's it might be closing in on the target of the sports bar, but it's opening up all of the other potential clients that that jack of all trades would have been trying to get had they had, you know, this idea that they were just going to try to design for everybody. Does that make sense? That makes a lot of sense. I, I yeah, I really appreciate that. I, mm-hmm. I think it's so interesting because um, I, I've seen so many, and, and you know, you happen to be talking about graphic designers. I've seen so many graphic mm-hmm. designers come out of school, and um, that's what they want to do. You know, I mean, you talk to them, and they're their plan is to design everybody in the whole wide world's website, you know, and, and right. the truth of the matter is right. that, you know, they'd be better off just getting a website done rather than <laughs> trying to reach everybody. So, well, I think that a lot of that comes from, too, that they're, uh, they don't know what they want to do yet, and so they mm-hmm. just are they're hungry and they will take anything that comes their way. And it's really counterintuitive because uh, the the common belief, and this happens in a lot of businesses, is if I get that specific, I'm going to be ostracizing all that other potential for business. And that's when you're doing the research yeah. to make sure that the market is big enough. Now, I mean, another way to handle that is let's say that this particular designer um, opens up that market to wanting to focus on sports bars, but then they find that they have some time left over to focus on some other things, they could come up with other targets. So maybe the common value between all of their customers is wanting some sort of cool, edgy design. And they figure that sports bars, apparel companies, and energy drink companies are the three companies that need edgy design work. And they're going to come up with services and and, um, and packages for each of those and so then their niches end up becoming like these sub-branded sort of products and services that they that they can expand on their product and service line but they're still niching down to three different targets versus it being everybody so so some people get scared about like i don't want to put everything in one basket Mm -hmm. yeah so let's uh Let's put a pin in that for just a second because I want to talk mm-hmm. more about that after the break. Um, you know, mm-hmm. really 
uh, not after after you focusing, then seeing that it can get bigger and going from small to big as opposed to mm-hmm. the huge to smaller or huge to never smaller that so many people do. Um, mm-hmm. This break's going to be a little different uh, because okay. uh, we do want to let people know some of the things that you've got going on. So if you could just mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about what uh, program you're running right now, we'd love to hear. Sure. Yeah, so the name of my pro- program is called Launch Your Brand, and it's uh, you can find it at my website, youcanbrand.com. So it's Y-O-U-C-A-N-B-R-A-N-D.com. And so what I do is I have two different programs that are running right now. Uh, one is a self-study program. The other one is a VIP program. And the self-study program is a 30-day program where I teach entrepreneurs how to design their very own logo, business card, and website in 30 days. And that self-study program, uh, you know, runs throughout the year, and it's something that uh, anybody can jump into pretty much at any time. I'm structuring it where where they can do that. And uh, they can, you know, develop something very professional without ever having designed before and be able to, you know, learn some of the basics of Photoshop and Illustrator with these video tutorials. And so um, then I run the live program, the VIP program, four times a year, and that includes hand-holding and allows, you know, me to to walk through the process with um, people in a group platform where I give them custom feedback on every single thing that they're working on and I have people come into the program that are working with a designer. I have people that come in through the program that really just want to learn how to design for themselves and their business. And then I have people come through the program that actually want to be designers. And it's been phenomenal because of about 15 to 20% of the people who've taken the program have, have become professional designers and didn't even intend to. <laughs> they came in to learn for themselves and they abandoned their businesses to become designers. So um, so right now I have uh, the self-study version of the program open, and I'm going to be doing the VIP version on January 5th for 60 days. So that VIP uh, program is a 60-day program that basically takes everything from the self-study program and just takes it up a level with making uh, – there's more, there's more time and there's uh, more advanced videos on learning certain things. And um, and so the people who sign up for the self-study version of the program can apply that tuition to the VIP. So that way I have people waiting in the wings all the time that want to dive into the VIP right. when I run it four times a year. Yeah. Well, I can tell everybody. I know that uh, Kathy, even after, you know, 15, 16 years as a graphic designer and business mm-hmm. uh, strategist mm-hmm. has, has taken your class at least twice that I know of. So, um, <laughs> yeah. so it's uh, yeah. it's definitely something I would recommend. So we're going to do a couple of commercials here, and then we'll okay. be right back. Okay. This is the EWN Radio Network. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. One of my mottos for business owners is, you can't do it alone. Whether you're in the startup stage of your business or you're scaling, you can't grow without relationships to provide support, wisdom, and new customers. eWomen Network is your home to connect with other women entrepreneurs who have been where you are or are experiencing the same challenges. We have chapters across the U.S. and Canada that have monthly events featuring our trademarked process called Accelerated Networking to ensure you get the contacts, resources, and leads you need 
grow your business. And once you become a member, you get many benefits, including two one-on-one coaching sessions, unlimited access to our membership database, your own personal profile page, and discounts on products and services with our business partners, such as UPS and American Express Open. Join the eWomen Network community and let us help you live your dream. For details, visit eWomenNetwork.com. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. We're back with you. I'm here with Jenna, and we have been discussing some exciting things about people's brands. Um, We were just talking about before the break how you uh, need to focus your brand and how important it is to really know your target market. As Jenna said, you know, niche makes rich. Um, And so often we tend to, uh, you know, to go really broad. We don't want to leave anybody out. Um, But the Mm -hmm. truth of the matter is is that if we can get focused um, on Mm -hmm. a specific part, we can actually then grow bigger. It's not like, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're chopping off the whole world because we get focused. Um, But until we get focused, uh, I think uh, I've found, and and you probably would agree, Jenna, that that all too often I think that people tend to never really get going because they don't have any focus with their start. Would you say that's true? Yeah, I mean, I think that the process can be overwhelming for a lot of people uh, because they, they get they have a scarcity mindset that they're worried if they get too specific. There's a couple of fears that come from it. One that they're going to not really want to work with that group of people forever. And if they set their business up that way, that they could be shooting themselves in the foot. Uh, but also that this scarcity thing of, of, you know, I see this happen with photographers all the time. Uh, photographer Photographers will, they'll do weddings and, and uh, baby, sh- you know, baby shots or like a labor, you know, any of those things where they'll do like senior portraits and, you know, pregnant women, babies, and weddings. And so while all of that sounds great because they want to have more opportunity to to make more money, if you look at the most famous photographers in the world, they always specialize. You know, Ann Gettys only focused on babies, and Ansel Adams only focused on landscapes. And, you know, uh, so, I mean, photography is like a really good example of, of that thing. And it, it doesn't mean that they won't get business you know, or requests for business for doing those other things. But instead, those examples, or even what was the other, uh, Annie Lieberwitz does those famous portraits of people. So they become known for these things, and, and they became experts at these particular topics. And if they would have tried to do everything, they never would have been an expert in anything. They probably would have just been an all-around, you know, good photographer, but not as famous as they became. And so um, so kind of wrapping your head around this idea of how do you become the go-to person for a particular thing means that you can't really be broad. You have to kind of be specific. I like that. I like that. How do you mm-hmm. be the go-to person for a specific thing? Uh, that, that's, mm-hmm. that's good. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you even think about it with assistance, would you rather hire somebody off Craigslist that's a pretty good assistant in every area, or if you have Infusionsoft or some mail marketing program, would you want to hire the expert in that program? And it's like when you look at the prices that you're going to pay for something, you know, having to, to train 
uh, an assistant on how to do a technology or just go hire the person who is a whiz at that is, is sort of the idea here. Oh, yeah. Well, we always, uh, you know, talk to our clients about the fact that everything is a balance between time versus money. I mean, sure, mm -hmm. you can take a bunch of classes and learn how to build your website yourself or how to build your own brand or how to run Infusionsoft, like you said. But a lot of times, the amount of time we spend doing that, um, I was teasing actually the other day in a conversation that a person could get a job at McDonald's and actually earn more money than what they're paying themselves to, uh, you know, build their own website or, you know, sure, I mean, it's like the sure. virtual version of building your own sports car, you know? <laughs> Well, but the thing that's interesting about this is that my program actually allows people to go through that process and really have success with it. And I think, you know, there is something to be said about uh, this, you know, the whole reason why I developed my program was um, was from dealing with difficult clients that could not mm -hmm. communicate to me what they wanted. They could not communicate in a verbal way of what they really wanted for their brand. So my yeah. idea was, well, how do we take them through a process where they figure out what they want in a visual way? Like they put together mood boards, and the mood boards, they're putting their stamp of approval of anything that they're putting on this mood board that they love. And so from that mood board, they themselves could design from it or they themselves could give it off to a designer, and it helps bridge that gap between verbal communication and visual communication. And so, so that's that's kind of the thing that's being solved here is like with something like a proprietary process that I have of helping uh, people who've never designed before learn how to do that. That's the only time I recommend, recommend DIY because otherwise you're totally right. Mm. If they're DIYing without that sort of structure, they are totally taking a shot in the dark about, you know, how are they going to learn a hundred thousand hours of like what's going to be you know good unless they have a guided process to take them through it. So oh, I, yeah, it's absolutely. it's funny how opposed to DIY I am unless it's in a guided format. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, oh, I agree. I mean, I think that um, one of the primary things people need to understand is how powerful coaching and mentoring and guided programs mm -hmm. can really be in taking their business up a notch. You know, to getting. Mm -hmm something out of the proverbial nothing, if you will, that it feels like sometimes in business. Well, there's a new phrase that's emerging right now, and it's uh, DWY, which is design with you. Which oh, I, think is cool. I like that. Yeah. 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 So, um, so that's kind of the difference is like, how do you get the support that you need? And that can come in the form of coaches or, uh, but, but the second part of this is getting empowered to learn some of these things um, can really help with saving money because, you know, designers charge a lot of money for very simple things. Like I, I just met with a client yesterday who has a, a JPEG for a logo. And I don't know if you know this, but like a J, I'm sure you do, but a JPEG doesn't really work well for a logo because it can't be sized easily. She wants to do t-shirts mm -hmm. and she can't because her logo is made out of pixels instead of, out of like a vector-based thing, which is like, um, you know, it's like the design of, of um, based on a mathematical equation versus like little dots, essentially. And um, and this, this designer was going to charge her $300 to take a super, super simple, you know, JPEG and, and um, 
and do a vector-based thing that could be screen printed or could be resized for size signs or, you know. And um, and I was like, you know, in my program, you would learn how to do an auto trace and it would take you 15 seconds and you wouldn't even have to rely on a designer. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, that's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, so um, we're going to take another little break here. We've been talking here with Jenna about how to really get the most out of your brand. And when we come back from the break, we're going to talk specifically about two or three really specific branding tips uh, that Jenna can give us that we can really take our business to the next level and really feel comfortable in our brand. And I'm also going to talk to her a little bit about how much of your brand is marketing and how much of your brand is the right brand. So we'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Would you like to know how to competently answer the question, this is what I am doing to take my business to the next level? How about discovering what is unconsciously sabotaging your growth? How would it feel to create a clear plan that describes in detail the steps you need to take as well as help to walk through this plan one step at a time? Would you love to have one simple step you can take immediately to get into action? I would like to invite you to sign up for one of my limited number of discovery session spots that I have available. See how the 8-step program Kathy and I have developed to take your company to the next level can help you find out where your company is stuck and how you can be a thriving entrepreneur. All you have to do to be considered for one of these coveted spots is send me an email to steve at wehelpyouthrive.com. We can begin the process for you to claim one of these limited spots as yours. Just email to steve at wehelpyouthrive.com and put Discover in the title today. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. One of my mottos for business owners is, you can't do it alone. Whether you're in the startup stage of your business or you're scaling, you can't grow without relationships to provide support, wisdom, and new customers. eWomen Network is your home to connect with other women entrepreneurs who have been where you are or are experiencing the same challenges. We have chapters across the U.S. and Canada that have monthly events featuring our trademarked process called Accelerated Networking to ensure you get the contacts, resources, and leads you need to grow your business. And once you become a member, you get many benefits, including two one-on-one coaching sessions, unlimited access to our membership database, your own personal profile page, and discounts on products and services with our business partners, such as UPS and American Express Open. Join the eWomen Network community and let us help you live your dream. For details, visit eWomenNetwork.com. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. We're here talking with Jenna about branding, how to really get the most out of your brand. How can you turn your business up a notch by capturing the right brand, having a focus brand? We've covered some really exciting stuff today. Um, and what I had talked to Jenna about just before the break is talking to us a little bit about how much 
of your brand is marketing it. Um, for example, um, you know, J.C. Penney's is named J.C. Penney's because it was named after a person named J.C. Penney. Um, <laughs> you know, and how much of it is having the right brand? Uh, I got to tell you this story, Jenna. Um, I was telling you just before we started the show, uh, you know, that I worked for a company that spent $60,000 for the name for their brand because the company that they hired uh, happened to come up with a name for Starbucks. Um, Starbuck is an obscure character in uh, in the in the book Moby Dick, and uh, I was talking to this one day on the uh, train on the commuter train here in Portland, uh, going into that that business for a meeting, and um, one of the teachers actually turned around and said, "I've taught Moby Dick every year." for my whole life, basically. And I didn't even remember that Starbuck was in that book. <laughs> so uh, talk to us a little bit. How much of marketing is the right brand and how much is the marketing? Well, yeah, that's a really kind of a tough question to answer because um, there's so much that goes into it, right? It's kind of an all-encompassing thing. So based on a lot of the things that we just talked about are really important to develop before you can even get into the branding process. Sometimes, uh, you know, companies like Starbucks, it was very smart for them to end up developing a term that nobody really had an association with. I mean, actually, let's say in a different example, if I wanted to uh, create a clothing line and call it Hermione based off of the, the um, uh, what is it, the Harry Potter series, you know, that it wouldn't work that actually would be a major infringement um, that I probably couldn't yeah. even use based off of the fact that maybe that name Hermione is a part of the uh, trademark of Harry Potter. So it's surprising that they actually used something that maybe the trademark wasn't, um, or there there wasn't a copyright, a copyright issue with that because of that book being so old. Like, I don't really know um, if that was, you know, if they were tapping into the public domain to be able to do that. But what is what is really smart is um, when you're coming up with a brand is developing something that there is um, no other sort of, of uh, a way to have there be any confusion. Like if we look at the company Exxon, for example, Exxon was a created name by that corporation. And so we can't, nobody in the world can go have Exxon clothing or Exxon anything because they've trademarked this name that actually is um, completely separate from what they do in business, so much so that they own the likeness of the thing versus it being like a word in the dictionary that, that anybody um, can have access to. You know, it's trademark things like really tricky. So, um, but when you have these made up words, then you can really do that. With Starbucks, um, I don't know if it's because maybe they added an S to it and it's not a known sort of thing and maybe it was a part of the public domain that they could take it and brand that and then get the trademark on it. So we could never use Starbucks in anything. Like it's because it's, mm. it's this trademarked brand that, and so that's there's a lot of power in that. They don't even have to trademark their actual logo design as a mark um, with the Starbucks word in it for it to be trademarked, they have gone to do that. Like the the mermaid, you know, lady has ha, probably has her own separate sort of trademark that can't be used. Like any part of it could be used. But there, we could go on for hours about the difference between these different kinds of trademarks. Oh, yeah. Whether it's related to word marks or if we're talking about the actual logo itself being trademarked. 
But in regards to, like, marketing or having a proper brand, um, you know, from a personal solopreneur perspective, I would say that because a brand is a reputation, if you start marketing yourself in sort of a guerrilla marketing sort of fashion, meaning that you're not spending goo-goo dollars on advertisements, and instead you are uh, trying to position yourself as an expert in a field, and you go into, let's say, some Facebook groups, and you provide a lot of service by, you know, sharing uh, really great tools that you've found or developing freebies without any sort of, uh, you know, expecting an email address in return, just being of service and giving, you know, feedback on things, that you can start to develop a brand based off of giving, you know, becoming an expert in the field, giving back service by uh, giving people an experience of what it's like to work with you without really asking for anything in return, and then spending some money on making a really great website and logo. Um, that's one way to do it where it doesn't require a whole lot of money. Like you don't have to be throwing a lot of marketing at it. The other way to do it is spend you know, $60,000 on some sort of strategy you know, done for you and and then have to invest all of this money on not organic, not guerrilla marketing, but instead sort of contrived, forced and paid for marketing and still be able to achieve some uh, results that way. You know, like you could totally, uh, you know, get people start to get familiar with the brand through something like Facebook adverts and, and all of that and not go from that perspective. But being a solopreneur as I am, I would always recommend the other version. <laughs> where you're developing okay. relationships with, with people who want to, um, who feel like they know and like you and they want to do business with somebody they feel like they know. So, I mean, it's 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 going to be a completely different process depending on a lot of things like industry, um, you know, who are the clients that you're actually targeting. If you're trying to go for, you, you know, let's say your ideal clients is, is another big corporation, then obviously that process, process is going to be quite a bit different than if you're, um, sure. if you're a solopreneur. Mm-hmm. Well, great. Well, I've been uh, spending uh, almost this whole last hour here with Jenna. We've been talking about branding. She's given us some really great suggestions. Um, Jenna, if you were to uh, get stuck in an elevator and somebody cornered you and asked you to Tell them 30 seconds of uh, what would be the most impactful thing they could do tomorrow for their business. What would that be? Um, I would say, you know, I would probably relate it to the the thing that was the most life-changing part of my brand, which um, there is a really great speaker by the name of Simon Sinek who did a TED Talk called um, How Leaders Inspire Action. And the theme of it, it gets, you can actually, if you even Google searched it, his whole main concept of the speech, though, is what is your why? And, and so what does that mean exactly? Well, a lot of companies that are out there, even, in, even corporations, will focus on products and features of a company. And the ones that really thrive and the ones that can, you know, end up making fanatics out of their uh, out of their client base or their fan base are the ones that really um, share the same value. So if you get very clear on what your values are, on what it is that you're trying to make better in the world and make it a movement that people can get behind, 
that you're not going to have to go through the whole traditional like features and benefits being the selling point thing. You're going to be um, tapping into people's minds at this sort of gut level where it's not their um, mind that's actually making the decision to buy from you, but it's their gut. And and he does this amazing talk that really gets into that. So my recommendation would be to go watch that TED Talk and get inspired from that um, because that could be a really great foundation for your brand. For sure. It's a part of the process I take my students through. Great. Well, Jenna, I've really mm-hmm. appreciated you spending the time with us today. Uh, let sure. people know where they can go to uh, sign up for either the independent study class or your uh, VIP uh, 60 yeah, days so that's going to start in January. Yeah, so the best thing to do is to get on my mailing list um, just because you'll get all the notifications of when certain things are going to be released at youcanbrand.com. And there's a really great three-part video series training that you can go through, and it will help you develop your brand story, how to understand how to uh, look at some graphic design things, like how do you develop a brand identity, how do you develop characters. Um, And so we go through some really fun examples with lots of tangible, tactical things that you can do um, before you even think about doing a program with me. So you can go get kind of a little sample of the course for free there, and that is available anytime. So you can brand.com. You can brand.com. Thank you so much for your time today, Jenna. Yeah. Y O U C A N B R A N D dot com. Yep. All right. Well, I really appreciate your time today, Jenna. You've given us some really great things to work on for our branding. Uh, We'll all be looking forward to uh, checking you out online, and uh, I'll be looking forward to talking to all the rest of you again next week at noon Eastern time here on Thriving Entrepreneur. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. If you want to get your question answered, send an email to questions at wehelpyouthrive.com. We look forward to you joining us again next time. Would you like to know how to competently answer the question... This is what I am doing to take my business to the next level. How about discovering what is unconsciously sabotaging your growth? How would it feel to create a clear plan that describes in detail the steps you need to take as well as help to walk through this plan one step at a time? Would you love to have one simple step you can take immediately to get into action? I would like to invite you to sign up for one of my limited number of discovery session spots that I have available. See how the 8-step program Kathy and I have developed to take your company to the next level can help you find out where your company is stuck and how you can be a thriving entrepreneur. All you have to do to be considered for one of these coveted spots is send me an email to steve at wehelpyouthrive.com. We can begin the process for you to claim one of these limited spots as yours. Just email to steve at wehelpyouthrive.com and put discover in the title today.